From Hypebeast Radio, I'm Jeff Staple, and this is The Business of Hype, a show about creative entrepreneurs, brand builders, innovators, and the realities behind the dreams they've built. As you guys probably know, the footwear industry is a ridiculous competitive field. After all, we all have one thing in common. We have two feet, and we can only wear one pair of shoes every day. So the battle to win that valuable real estate is cutthroat. There's always been three major players in the industry. Nike, which is the monster in the room, is almost equal to the entire industry added together. And Adidas is the newly minted boy wonder, but they only recently just eclipsed Skechers, which is the working class hero. But if you follow the industry, you'll for sure have read about the massive moves that Puma has been making recently. This year alone, sales have increased by 15% with double-digit growth in all regions and all product categories. Gross profit margin improves to 48.6%, and recently Puma announced re-entry into the basketball category. They signed four of the top 15 picks in this year's NBA draft, including top picks DeAndre Ayton and Marvin Bagley III. And their new president of basketball operations is some dude named Sean Carter. You might know him better as Jay-Z. And this recent news is on top of recent signings with supermodel Carla Delevingne, The Weeknd, Big Sean, Selena Gomez, and some chick named Rihanna. And on full disclosure, my team at Staple has worked on some pretty dope projects with Puma as well. So let's zoom out a little bit here. How does this all happen? Because you're naive if you think you just pick up a phone and ask all of these heads to sign on. Sliding into Bad Girl Riri's DM ain't gonna get you anywhere. And money alone isn't the answer either, because if that were the case, every Chinese brand would be signing every influencer you know. The secret recipe is a combination of history, legacy, cultural authenticity, money, and potential. And the chef a company hires to manage that recipe is critical. Yasin Saidi is Puma's top chef. His mysterious title is Head of Select, which simply means he touches everything Puma does that is bleeding edge and envelope pushing. Yasin and his team are taking charge on Puma's assault in the sneaker wars. They're smart enough to know that the battle is treacherous though. And they also know that empires fall. And in business, greatness can be right around any corner. You put enough straws on the camel's back and you know what's gonna happen, it's eventually gonna break. So for anyone that has ever dreamed of working at a sneaker brand, or working in a critical position like this, this is the episode for you. Because as you'll soon hear, Yassin didn't just land at this desk. He hustled his way from the bottom all the way to the top of the food chain. Yeah, so I'm, I'm French, uh, rooted from Morocco. So my parents are immigrants. Uh, they moved in the 70s to look for a better future for themselves and their kids. And um, so we were living in a very poor neighborhood. Um, so very poor neighborhood means also danger. Mm-hmm. Okay, so drugs and I mean thieves and I mean it was it was a pretty hardcore neighborhood I have yeah. to say. So and my kids they were basically on my back on having two things checked. First is school, mm-hmm. like you had no option. Okay, school, you had no option. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta be, go. Be, first of all, you gotta go. Yeah. No, you gotta go was not an option. You oh, okay. had to go anyway. Okay. okay, but you gotta be good mm-hmm. at school. And the second thing was sports. Okay? You have to do sports? Yeah. I had really? To, yeah, I had to play. So I played tennis, 
I played basketball. I was into skateboards. Why did your parents time. make you play sports? Because it's being in a, in a in a positive community and not basically being hanging out in the streets, right? And just talking to random people. <laughs> yeah, they, which and, leads to trouble. Yeah, exactly, which right. leads to trouble. So my parents come pick me up at school. They drive me to school. They come pick me up at school. They drive me to uh, the tennis club. Uh-huh. Uh Tennis club sounds weird for kids coming from the hood, but... But it's a but, court, basically. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So um, it was not a country club. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and yeah, they were like like very, very strict mm-hmm. uh, about and what we were doing. And this is in Morocco? This is in France. Oh, okay, yeah, you were born, born in France. France. I'm born gotcha. in France, yeah. So, and I, uh, so, like from my 15 to, I would say, no, from my 14 to, to 18, 19, I was heavy skateboard and basketball. Mm-hmm. So that was my two things. Mm-hmm. And uh, with all the culture that it surround that surrounded these two sports, actually, right. I mean, it was very funny because the music that skateboarders were listening at that time and the music that basketball player was li- listening at that time was already different. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I get caught into this yeah. different cultures right. around the culture around the clothing in mm-hmm. skateboarding and the clothing in basketball and the music yeah. that basically both sports have, and I just get drawn into it and I just love it. Right. And I always knew. I'm going to work in the sport industry. Wow. Always. Okay. And I think for some of our listeners who are maybe younger, like today, skate and hip-hop and, and street and basketball are all sort of like mixed together. Like they all yeah. sort of listen to the same stuff, wear yeah. the same stuff. Yeah. But back but it was then... Not, it was not at the time. Yeah, it was very separate. Very separate. Right. Very separate. So I was listening to... Uh, Korn and Nirvana when I was like uh-huh. skateboarding yeah. and I was uh, listening to Wu-Tang Clan in basketball <laughs> yeah, right, right. so that's actually the, the thing so I think that's also why I understand the different movement of culture mm-hmm. so well mm-hmm. and uh, that's also why I can talk to anybody yeah. in the industry because I get rooted from that so for me right. it's pretty easy so you knew you were going to work yeah, for a sports company sports company okay. and I always knew at that time uh, we had a show called Culture Pub uh-huh. Okay, in France, and it was a show about advertising, okay, and how they do advertising, uh-huh. and it was basically for one hour yeah. showing advertising from brands all over the world mm-hmm. and explaining uh, how that works and why they did that. Okay, okay? so it was very very creative, but they ha- uh, it was always a business uh, side into it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I was like watching that show every week. Okay, okay? so you fell in love with branding too. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I said, okay, you know what? I want to work in sport industry, and I'm going to do advertising. <laughs> At that time, it was advertising. <laughs> we, we were not talking about marketing; it was advertising. Yeah, totally. You know? Yeah. So um, it was like a billboard. A billboard or, yeah. or, or, or print ad. Print yeah. ad. Oh yeah. Or, or TV. Or TV spots. But I feel like back then, like the billboards and the print ads were so much more creative because that's all they had. There yeah. was no yeah. TV, social, yeah. Yeah. YouTube. Like. Yeah. They just put so much creativity into a spread. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, so I always knew. So, and what, were you a sneakerhead? No, I never been. So you bought shoes to just use them for sports. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I never been in sneak. I never been a sneakerhead. Okay. So, what I own in my closet is like everything that people send me, uh-huh. or every because I'm sample size at Puma. Yeah. So I just get everything. Mm-hmm. But like, I never, never queue. I never like. I never went to eBay to buy a shoe. No, never. So, okay. so, um, so now we're at, uh, not because I had no money, like I had no money, <laughs> right? you know, yeah. I had no money. So it was not even a thing. So asking my parents, I never, I never owned a Jordan. I was playing basketball, uh-huh. but you couldn't I, afford the Jordan. I remember my parents, they told me, okay, I told them I need, I need a pair of shoe for basketball. I said, okay, 
uh, and then we went to the store and I see all these Jordan on the wall mm -hmm. and I see my father I said I want this one he said are you crazy I said please dad and, he, and I get an LA gear <laughs> not even close <laughs> you know LA gear right that's the brand name LA right? gear yeah. LA gear and I was sometimes fucking embarrassed yeah yeah you know? right. so but you know what I went through that mm -hmm. uh, learning a lot about, yeah. about it um, so when you go to university did you go to university yeah I went to university so what happened is like when I was like uh, 19 mm -hmm. I graduated at uh, I graduated at school high school and then I wanted to go to university and I wanted to do um, a, a business school mm -hmm. okay so my parents told me okay you can do a business school and we're gonna cover the fees so cool, because it's your last run mm -hmm. so just go and tell us which one you want and the best school actually in France is where my parents live okay okay but I wanted to leave home ah. <laughs> you didn't want to go close by yeah so and I said, I said to myself, so that's the opportunity today mm -hmm. to actually do what you want. You want to work in the skate and surf industry because I, I, I get after skate, I get into snowboard and, and surfing. Mm -hmm. And I said, this is what I want. So there's two schools, one in, in uh, Bordeaux, you know, where you can, there's the industry of surfing yeah. is actually there. Okay. Oh, and one is in Annecy, it's close to Chamonix, mm -hmm. and where the snowboard okay. is there. Okay. Mountain so, and beach. Yeah. yeah. So... I told my parents that I apply in the school where I was living, mm -hmm. and also these two schools. Okay. Okay. I didn't apply to the school I was at my parents' place. <laughs> yeah, fuck, fuck that. <laughs> fuck that one. And uh, oh, I hope my parents will not listen to that one. <laughs> so and I basically got the two schools. I got Bodo both and both schools, and uh, I decided to go to um, to uh, Annecy next mm -hmm. to Chamonix because actually I was much more in windsurf, uh, in snowboard, sorry. Yeah, than surfing. Than surfing. Okay. So, so I just moved there, mm -hmm. like changed my life. Yeah. Uh, I got an internship at Salomon. Nice. So Salomon is a, for those, it's a classic European ski company, yeah, hiking. Yeah, and, exactly. It's pretty big. Yeah. And they were, they had one internship. <laughs> one. Uh -huh. Okay. And all these kids that actually grow there in Annecy and Chamonix and they are heavy windsurf, yeah. uh, snowboarders. Uh, they get it. They should get it. They should get it. Yeah, right. They picked me. Wow. This kid, yeah. you know, because I, I brought something completely different, yeah. you know, on the table. So right. I, and what I've done, I remember, is I, I saw the, um, I saw the, um, the job description mm -hmm. or the internship description. And actually I wrote an essay about what I wanted to do there. So I just don't, I didn't just apply. show up yeah, and apply and do the interview. Right. I came up with like a plan, <laughs> you know, wow. I came up with a plan Yeah, and I made a difference yeah. obviously on that. So I got it. And that was the starting point for me on getting into, into the sports. industry. Yeah. yeah. So I worked there. Uh, I loved it. They kept me longer. Mm. Uh, I, so then I graduated school. I worked for um, a small company called Boards and More, which was also a distributor of of skateboarding, snowboarding, and windsurfing, mm -hmm. and uh, and I loved it. I would was that like a sales job? It, no, no, I was a marketing manager for the country for oh, France. Okay, yeah. So I also had a pretty big position. I was like nineteen. Yeah, you know, just out of school. Just out of school, I just got, and they tell me you're gonna be the the head of uh, marketing for France. Mm -hmm. I said, oh, really? I said, yeah, I'll do it. Wow, you know, and I get to work with. The biggest surfer in the world. I went to Hawaii. I did photo shoots. Uh, I did like sales tools as wow. well for the sales At team. At nineteen. Nineteen, and I've done some crazy things, uh -huh. you know. And I loved it, and I hated it as well because 
uh, surfing and skateboarding at that time was not as structured companies like they are today. Mm -hmm. And it was very freestyle. That's the word we're using. It's yeah. freestyle because it's it's freestyle. But the company was fucking freestyle. Yeah. Okay. So, so the company had no structure. No structure. So you try to basically apply uh, uh, rules that you've learned in Salomon mm -hmm. because Salomon is very structured. Mm -hmm. It was owned by Adidas at that time. Oh wow. Yeah. And uh, and what you've learned at school uh -huh. and putting plans together. Yeah. You know. And no, it was like. Every day, it's another day, and every day we'll see what's gonna happen. Yeah. You know, so it was very difficult. I had some clash with sales mm -hmm. because you always have this clash between marketing and sales. I'm a brand builder, yeah. and they just want to sell and get their check. Yeah. You know, whatever they sell, they will do it. Yeah. You know, so we had some clash, and I said, you know what, I cannot do it anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, so I want to keep working in the sport industry, but I need to go bigger. Yeah. So I'm watching TV. And there's a documentary on Adidas against Nike on the World Cup 98 mm -hmm. and how these two brands actually approach World Cup. Mm -hmm. So I'm watching this show. At the end of the show, I said, I'm going to fucking work for Adidas or Nike. Mm -hmm. The next day, I sent my CV to these two companies. Okay. Next day. Mm -hmm. Okay. Two months later, I work for Adidas. Okay. Yeah. Two months later, I'm at Adidas. In where? In France. Okay. In Strasbourg, slightly north of France. Um, and, uh, and what year is this? What when you year? got your job at Adidas? Um, 2003. Okay. Yeah, 2003. And can you just paint the picture? 2005, really? sorry, 2005. Okay. 2005. So yeah. can you paint a picture in 2005? Where was Adidas? This is... Because kids listen to this, it's like, oh, Yeezy. Like, <laughs> no. no, describe Adidas in 2005. So Adidas in 2005 is... Um, Climacool. Okay. But like their exposure like in America and globally was Oh no, like, in America was not. It's like a soccer brand, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Sport brand. Sport, yeah. And friends who were doing pretty well. Mm -hmm. Also because it's a European brand. Yeah. Uh, generally, they do. They always did well in Europe. Yeah. Okay, but they had no footprint in the US. Right. Like in lifestyle. And, and, and wait, lifestyle. Wait, yeah. wait, wait, wait. Lifestyle was not existing. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. So... But what Adidas understood very early, and this is where I was there, they started Adidas Original, mm -hmm. 2001, 2002, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So, and Adidas Original is the starting point of lifestyle. Yeah. Like, actually, before it was like, okay, we're going to create products, okay? And if the usage extension of the product is lifestyle, then that's not our, right. you know, it's the consumer decide. Yeah. And then turning into, we're actually going to create product for lifestyle. Right. That's exactly at that time. And originally it was like, Maybe referencing archival products, yes. bringing back stamps. Oh yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it was only that. Yeah. I remember ZX, Gazelle, uh -huh. Stan Smith, Superstar, obviously. Yeah. Right. So it was like the big thing, and at that time it was also 2005, 2006. You had the 35 years of the Superstar. Yes, you remember, I remember that? that? Yeah, Jam so, Master J. Yeah, yeah. And so I was there, like. So what was your title at Adidas? So I was, so they hired me. So listen to that. Mm -hmm. It was a big frustration, but I had to do it. So. I was heading up the marketing for a small surf skateboard company in France. Yeah. Okay. And then the job they offer me at Adidas is merchandiser accessories for Adidas France. Okay. Okay. That seems really niche. Like super niche. <laughs> Merchandising accessories, accessories in France. So wait. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So accessories for Adidas and for all companies yeah. is actually socks, headwear. <laughs> And bags. bags. Right. And bags. Okay? Socks, headwear, and bags. Okay. In one country. So <laughs> I took a hit on my ego. 
yeah. okay, to do it. But you know what? I knew I'm going to win. Right. Okay? So, and actually, this job was perfect. Yeah. Because it was not so much pressure. I had time to build network. <laughs> right. Like, strong network. And in these companies, you need to build network with sales. Yeah. Okay? With salespeople. Yeah. Because they make shit happen. Mm-hmm. Okay? They control the money. Yeah. Yeah. And my only objective was I'm going to head up tennis at Adidas, France. Why? Yeah, why? Because, first of all, I was a tennis player when I was a kid. Yeah. Okay? I haven't touched a racket for, for 15 years, mm-hmm. okay? But Adidas was actually um, partner with uh, the French Open, Roland Garros. Okay. Okay? So, and the guy who was managing tennis at Adidas France is actually managing the tournament. Yeah. Okay? It's like me watching the French Open. It's like you guys, US Open. Okay? Yeah, yeah. So, I'm watching every June... Uh, the 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 Roland Garros uh, tennis French right. Open and I just like staring at players. I was and I said, "You have fucking opportunity to be at the lounge uh-huh. for two weeks every year." <laughs> you know? So what, that's why you wanted to get to tennis. I wanted to get that job, uh-huh. and that was actually the only job I wanted to do. Wow. Okay, so I go to my boss after three months. Yeah. And she said, okay, you're doing well. Uh, what do you want to do next? I said, I want to do tennis. Mm-hmm. Okay? So I get closer to the guy who was doing tennis. Okay. You know, I say, you see, and you know what? I'm going to live in three months. Uh, I'm going back to Paris uh, with my girlfriend. And uh, I think you can do the job. Uh-huh. I said, sure, I can. <laughs> you, are, you are mad strategic. Like, you're like a chess player with your life. Oh, bro. Like, you, like, see the thing, and you're like, I'm going to get that. And yeah. then, boom, you, like, yeah. get that. And yeah. It was crazy. Wow. So, so, so you, you know, so hey, you, you know what? I tell you one thing. It's like when you come from nothing, mm-hmm. you have nothing to yeah. lose. So, bro, I go. Right. You it's know? like it's but, like getting a meal. Yeah, like, but I got, I, I'm hungry. Yeah, I gotta eat. Yeah, yeah. But I do it always clean. You yeah. know, like like I'm not. Right, you, yeah, yeah, I'm not doing politics. Uh-huh. Like never. Yeah. Okay. So. So you get the tennis job. I get a tennis job. <laughs> Take a small opportunity and flip it into a big opportunity. If you ever wonder how some people make it work, this is how. Everyone tells the story of the person who makes their way to the top from the mailroom. This is the brand version of that. What I've learned in business and in life, it's all about just moving forward. Not every move and decision needs to be leaps and bounds. Sometimes it's just inches, but those matter too. And those small inches added up consistently day after day, they actually amount to a lot more than those monumental moments. And you talk about getting your foot in the door. Yassine took an opportunity to be in charge of socks in France. And he spun that into his goal of heading up the entire tennis category in three months. Game, set, match. So when I get the tennis job, and I did very well. Yeah. I did very well. You know why I did is... Um, so Adidas tennis at that time was literally for white people. Yeah. Okay. But I'm not a white guy. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, and me being a Moroccan immigrant mm-hmm. and leading Roland the, Garros, Roland yeah. Garros, like a white sport. Yeah. First of all, it was like for people, it was like, who's this kid? Yeah. You and know? and the French Open is a Grand Slam event. It's like one of the top four tournaments yeah, yeah, yeah. of tennis. Exactly. And Roland Garros is like 
royalty. It's royalty. Yeah, royalty. Exactly. Yeah. So it's royalty. You have all the Lacoste people of this world. Right, yeah. You know, the bank and uh-huh. thing. And I'm sitting there. Yeah. With, you your, know, with sitting, your fucking... <laughs> I'm sitting there. and But you know what? I can handle and I can talk to anyone. Yeah. Okay? So it was, it was good. So my role was actually was managing the product... Uh, products for, mm-hmm. for, for the French market, okay? And work with sales to commercialize it mm-hmm. and create packages for for accounts, uh-huh. um, uh, uh, working with marketing and, and, and defining the strategy to activate your products and so forth. So it's a merchandising role. Mm-hmm. It's So everybody want to get into, into sports and product you always have to start with merchandising because you're really exposed to actually the real the real world, which is accounts and sales. Can you define merchandising for our listeners? A merchandising is so if you're a merchandiser for for um, for a sport company and you work in a country, you're not working in the headquarter. Mm-hmm. So what your role is, you go to the headquarter, you see the global offer, right. and you pick the product that you think are relevant for your own market. And you build your assortment, Mm -hmm. and then you do the go-to-market strategy. So what's going to be my sales strategy? Mm -hmm. What I'm going to give to uh, Finish Line? Mm -hmm. What I'm going to get to uh, Foot Locker? And then you define the marketing strategy and how you're going to talk about your product to the consumer. So that's basically what you're doing. It's a very important job, but I think a lot of people don't realize it, like that are young, you know, but... Yeah, it's like the way I see it is like it's almost like um, you know you have a, a chef that can cook anything. Exactly. But you, someone has to decide what's appetizer, what's main, what's dessert. Yeah. Right. What's Monday? What's the specials tomorrow? That's like a curation and an edit. Definitely. That's, that's what a merchandiser that's, that's does. That's definitely the best analogy. Is is central. Yeah. It's it's a very strategic function, mm-hmm. and I think I've learned so much from that role. Yeah. You know, and even doing accessories, which is like. Uh, I would say a low-profile category, mm-hmm. okay, but necessary. You just understand how things works. Yeah, you know, because like typically a product designer, or designer, right? They don't really care if their stuff sells or not. No. They just want to make the best stuff, yeah, which yeah. is what you want. Exactly. Sales guys, they just want the shit to sell. They exactly. don't care how great it is. Exactly. The merchandiser is like the balance, right? Exactly. It has to be good yeah. and it has to sell. Yeah. 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 It was it was I think the the. Critical experience in my career is mm-hmm. that one. So we have these white polos and white shorts and white shoes and yeah. white socks. And I was tired of that because when I was watching tennis when I was a kid, I was a fan of Andre Agassi. Mm-hmm. Okay? And that punk tennis. Punk. Yeah. And I wanted to bring an edge uh-huh. to what we're doing. Yeah. Okay? So I go to Global. I sit with the Global team global tennis team and I say guys this is what I want to do I want to actually create a collection this is it's called Edge it was okay. called Edge actually and I want colors I want graphic I want graphic tees mm-hmm. you know I want print yeah. and I want loud okay okay and the player we're going to work with is Novak Djokovic yes okay because he was the joker at that time you remember uh-huh. and we just signed him at that time okay and I, and I told him can you guys let me work with Novak and I'm going to create a small collection and we're going to do it in France first. Okay. Okay. They told me, I can give you two tees and two shorts. I said, okay, I start with yeah, that. Yeah. Okay. So I do my two tees and my two shorts. I sell them uh-huh. very well. Yeah. Okay. I said, now let's do it bigger. And then it got bigger. Uh-huh. So I get closer to, to the global team. Yeah. And what happened is we did blue shoes, mm-hmm. red shoes. Never happened. At yeah. Adidas. In tennis. Yeah. Never. Right. You know? And I remember the Climacool Feather red uh-huh. Roland Garros edition it was like 
we sold it so well. In inline, not even in the No, inline. Like outside of the Roland Garros week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah outside of Roland Garros, it right. was everywhere. Yeah. Like, I was so proud. Yeah. I haven't done the product myself, mm -hmm. but I initiate the, yeah. the, the the conversation. Right. You know, so... And you going to, to global headquarters, yeah. they're probably like, what the fuck? Why are we even listening to you? Exactly. So, <laughs> so then, I, I in France, we have an account called Decathlon. Mm -hmm. Okay? Yeah, it's, Decathlon. It's, so yeah. what's a, how you can compare Decathlon in the Champs? US? Champs. Champs, yeah. yeah. It's a champs. It's just the champs of of you of Europe, I would say. So, and I invite the global team to come mm -hmm. and attend this the biggest account in Europe, yeah. okay? Because I needed the support and and help them and help me answer some questions. So I do the presentation. We talk with the accounts. Everything does well. They say, oh, the edge thing is very good. That's what we need. Blah blah. We finish the conversation. We go to dinner. And the uh, general manager of Tennis International at Adidas told me, do you want to come work with us in Germany? Because what you've done on Edge, yeah. we want you to replicate that on a global scale. So do you want to go to global, yeah. basically? Headquarter. Yeah, headquarters. I said, fuck yeah, I go. Okay. <laughs> fuck yeah, I go. So I end up managing the footwear at uh, Adidas International Tennis. Wow. Yeah. In Germany? In Germany. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Was that a goal of yours, to get to headquarters? Yeah. Okay. Definitely. All right. Yeah, definitely. Because right. when you global... I mean, the doors that you have after that mm -hmm. is, is just changing everything. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Right. And here we go again. Yassine has his new target locked. From bags and socks in France, to tennis and Roland Garros, to global headquarters. Sometimes all it takes is a spark. Yassine raised his hand, harnessed courage and enthusiasm, and created opportunity. Haters will call that luck. I often wonder if people really understand the difference between luck and the fateful event that resulted from hours of hard work. Let's get back to seeing where Yassine sets his sight on next, and more importantly, how. Okay, so now you're at now you're at Adidas Global Headquarters. Okay, so it's cool. Yeah, again, this this Moroccan this Moroccan kid Knowing doing tennis, and I was not playing tennis at that time. Right, like all the people in the team. Lunchtime, they go play tennis. I was not playing tennis. <laughs> you bring your skateboard to <laughs> you work. Like, I was like, like, sometimes I felt like wrong casting. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Because they were like so much into mm -hmm. tennis. You know, right. and you know what? You asked me earlier if I was a sneakerhead. Mm -hmm. I think, I don't know if it's a strength, but I think what helped me is like, I never been a fan or into or nerd right. of anything. Yeah. You're like general. Yeah. So you weren't a tennis nerd. No. So yeah. that's why I think I have the ability to zoom out and and take and, mm -hmm. and take perspective. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Because I've never been in any bubble. Yeah. You know. There's a there's an expression in America that we use called um, I people versus T people. Have you heard of this? Mm. So I people is like the shape of the letter I. They go deep. Yes. They're like the nerds. Yeah. Right. Like. Clark Kent yeah. is like I person. Yeah. But then there's T people that look at it from across the board. Yeah. And I think being a T person is something that is like really important for a company. Yeah. Because you got to see it from 30,000 feet. Exactly. Yeah. So for me, I, I mean, I always understood, obviously, accessories, surfing, skateboarding, basketball, mm -hmm. tennis, football. Yeah. Hip-hop, Hip-hop, yeah. rock. You know, like, I always got into that. Yeah. And I experienced all of them, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And, uh, and uh, with, with some depth, mm -hmm. you know, but never to the... Yeah, nerd shit. Nerd. <laughs> no, never. So knowing what I know of you now, I would assume that you're sitting there as global head of tennis, 
And now you, Yassine is probably thinking, what's next? Yeah. <laughs> what's your, so what is the next target now? No, the next target was, at that time, I wanted to go to the U.S. Adidas U.S.? I wanted to go to Oh, Adidas. just you wanted to go to the United States? Yeah, I wanted to go to the United uh -huh. States, okay? So why United States yeah. is because... First of all, I grew up with the American culture mm -hmm. because that's all we basically... Yeah, and all the stuff you up. mentioned was born in the United exactly. States. Skateboarding, so, surfing, hip-hop. So rock, that's yeah. from a cultural standpoint, but then it was like these ambitious kids mm -hmm. who wanted to go to the U.S. because the U.S. is the most um, competitive market in the world. Yeah. Okay? So I said, if you make it there... You make it anywhere. Yeah. Okay? Like, for me, it was not the New York thing. It was, like, the global... The America thing. Yeah. If you make it there. So, I had opportunities where I was at Adidas, but it was not the one. Mm -hmm. Okay? So, I said to myself, you're not going to move for the sake of moving. You have to be very strategic on what you want to do. Mm -hmm. Okay? So, so let's, can you expand on that? You had an opportunity to go to the U.S. for Adidas. Yes. But why didn't you take it? Because the role was not right. Do you know, can you say what the role was? I don't remember what was the role, okay. but I, had, I didn't have a feeling for it. Okay. You know? And also, I always choose the people I want to work with. Yeah. And uh, sometimes you don't choose your boss, but when you have the opportunity to choose it, then you yeah. make a conscious decision. Right, so, right. And I think most probably it was the reason why. Mm. You know? Okay. So I work, I work there, and we ha I have a blast. I mean, I'm traveling the world. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm with players. Mm -hmm. I went to Andre Agassi's house in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. We did a photo shoot with him because Adidas had Andre Agassi for three years after Nike. After Nike, okay. and then he went back to Nike. Yeah, yeah. So for three years, I work with him, and we create like a training tennis shoe. So what I always do is like, okay, if, for example, if my job description is this, uh -huh. my job description is a given. Yeah. Okay, I'm not even... I said, what do I bring on top More. of my job description? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay? So, okay, if the product collection is this, what do I bring on top of this? Mm -hmm. So I said, okay, you know what? And I was with players and I was training with them and I see, actually, like, most of their time, they're not in tennis courts hitting balls. They're actually in the gym, they do training, they do drills, they do right. everything. And I said, and I see they're actually training with... Uh, uh, running shoes, uh -huh. okay, or tennis shoes, yeah. which are not the right product for them, yeah. you know. So I said, you know what, we're going to create a training tennis collection mm -hmm. specific because tennis is all about lateral movements, yeah. okay, and a running shoe when you do Forward training, back, yeah. yeah, it's not a good shoe. Right. So I've worked with Andre Agassi and we built mm -hmm. uh, um, a training tennis shoe. Mm -hmm. It was called the COD, change of direction, mm -hmm. okay, because it's all about changing yeah. direction in tennis. And it was amazing. That's dope. Yeah, the shoe failed. We didn't sell it. Okay. Okay, but it was a great shoe because the market was not ready uh -huh. and I didn't have the marketing support to right. tell the story. Right, right. Okay. So I had that and it was just fun. Yeah. You know, I was going to the office. I was happy every mm -hmm. day. Yeah. Every day. Right. And, um, and the, so I did as is growing okay at that time was was doing pretty well mm -hmm. and you have to understand it like in big corporation the bigger the company is the more structured it becomes yes okay so my role got shrinked mm -hmm. okay because there's more layers yeah you know it needs to be more like way more structured overall right so and I got bored and which means <clears throat> if you want to get something done yeah. you have to now get check off and approval from all of these different people. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. And so you spend most of your time trying to get approvals from people versus doing the actual fucking thing. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody it's frustrating. Wanna, and everybody wanna have a point of view. Right. And everybody wanna own the good idea. Yeah. You know? So yeah. it's everyone's job to sort of be like 
give your two cents. Yes. It's like, oh God. Exactly. Yeah. So it was, was, I enjoyed it. Yeah. But I knew it was time for me to go. Okay. And head hunters start calling. Uh-huh. Okay. So I was talking to many brands. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, but I was not, I didn't want to leave Adidas because yeah. I love Adidas to that day. Uh-huh. Like I really love the yeah. company. Okay. Also, but, also because they gave me so much, uh-huh. you know, they gave me so much opportunities yeah. and I had such a great time there. I just loved the company. Right. So I was, I didn't really want to go. Mm-hmm. So I was looking for jobs internally, but nothing that made me, you know, yeah. you know, and I was not in lifestyle. Uh-huh. Like my mind was not in lifestyle at all. Wow. You know, so, so, you know, I was working in tennis yeah. and I thought tennis was the only thing that mattered to me at the time. Mm-hmm. Okay. And sometimes you know, we're talking about the bubble earlier, yeah. okay? Even if I say i never been in a bubble, I think at that time I was a little bit in the tennis bubble. Yeah, because you, know? you were just 24-7 <clears throat> tennis, right? Exactly. Yeah. And, and you know, when you get to work with players, you get emotional. You get even more emotional right. with the environment you are. Yeah. Okay? You are in. So I got into that. And uh, <laughs> so Nike called me. Uh-huh. So I went to uh, the European headquarter mm-hmm. and I told them, I want to go to the US. I want to go to Portland. Yeah. Okay. And I said, yeah, but you have to stay here for one or two years and then we'll find you a job in, in Portland. Mm-hmm. I said, okay. So my friend, so, so I had a job at Nike. Okay. okay. <clears throat> in Amsterdam, right? Yeah. Nike headquarters yeah, is Amsterdam. in Amsterdam. Yeah. So I got that job. And um, so they've been they've been looking at me for we've been looking they've been looking at me for a year and a half so we've been talking yeah and uh, but nothing that came along and at that time you remember six point oh yeah okay Nike it was 6.0. their action sports division exactly yeah so the job was related to six point oh okay so it's going back to my first right board board you know board, I said yeah. okay you know what I can do skateboarding and surfing uh-huh. but a structured company yeah. what was like was complaining like four or five years ago right okay so I said you know what I like that actually oh, okay so and then uh, I have dinner with a friend he, he was a, a board member at Puma uh-huh. okay um, and he did 20 years at Nike okay okay so I go I say Stefano this is uh, my package okay that Nike offered me tell mm-hmm. me what you think mm-hmm. okay it's in why are you leaving Adidas? They say, because it gets too big and it's too structured and I'm not having fun anymore. He say, you think you're going to Nike, it's going to get better? <laughs> you think there's less structure at Nike? You <laughs> think there's less structure at Nike? Say, no. He said, you know what? You're going to come to Puma. I said, no way. I don't go to Puma. Really? Why? <laughs> you weren't even thinking of Puma at the time. Bro, I mean... I was wearing Puma when it was the Mostro time, uh-huh. you know, yeah. like Mostro and, and Driftcat and Speedcat. It was uh-huh. a, like two, 2000, yeah. you know, yeah. early 2000. Uh-huh. So it was at that time, I was, Puma was hot. Okay. You know? So I never considered Puma. Yeah. Ever. Okay. And the, the irony is that when you're working at Adidas, right, when you drive to Adidas, don't you drive past Puma every day? Yeah, yeah, every day. So every day you see the Puma headquarters yeah. going to work and you didn't even consider it. I never You're looked. You're just like, you're driving, you're like, nope. Like, <laughs> I never looked at it. Like, I never looked at yeah, it, yeah. you know? Okay, so your, your friend... My friend, got, yeah. tell me you're going to come to Puma. I say, yo, no. <laughs> no. Thank you for the check, check please. I say, it's in. Okay. I have some open... He was, um, he was in sales. He was mm-hmm. driving. He was a board member. He was driving all the sales. Part and uh, he said, I have openings coming in the next two months, okay. 
So turn down Nike mm -hmm. and and uh, wait for me to get back to you. Okay. So I had an offer on the table, okay, and literally I trust him. Mm -hmm. Like I trusted him, and I wanted to work with him because I was a fan of him. Yeah. You know, I was. It, it was not a mentor, uh -huh. but I was I was looking up to him. Yeah. You know, and his career and his personality and what he managed to do. Right. You know, I was a fan. Yeah. You know, I really liked him. And I said, you know what? Go and work with him, mm -hmm. you know, and you're going to learn so much. And do great things together. And right? also, because the company was not doing well, I said, that's the opportunity. Exactly. That's yeah. the opportunity, right. you know. You can really make change. You there. can make change there, yeah. you know. So, but they were not doing tennis. At that time, I said to myself, you're going to go to Puma uh -huh. and you're going to do tennis. That's what I thought I right. would do, you know. I really thought I would yeah. do that, okay. So, so when I left Adidas... I told them, so I had to go, I said to Nike, I'm not coming. Mm -hmm. They were surprised because we've been talking for a year and a half, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I said, no, I, um, I'm t I didn't tell them where I'm going, but uh -huh. I said, no, I, I cannot take it. Uh -huh. Thank you for everything. And the Nike people were amazing. Uh -huh. Like, I mean, the way they do things, yeah. it's just like on point. Uh -huh. You've been to Nike headquarters, yeah. right? You see how they treat you? Yeah. You know, it's like... The way they treat me, I was like, whoa, uh -huh. they really want me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <You> yeah. <know? laughs> Until I figured out they do that to everybody. <laughs> and, um, so and, what was your first title at Puma? So, so I had to turn down this Nike thing. Yeah. But I didn't have nothing from Puma. Oh, what? what? Yeah. So you, but you had Adidas still. I was still at Adidas. Wow. Okay. Okay. So let, so you're working at Adidas full time. Yeah. You have an incredible offer from Nike to, mm. to do 6.0, mm. and you have a pending offer from Puma to do this big question mark. But you know it's going to be good. Exactly. Because it's with this guy that you love. Exactly. So you turn but, down. But I had no guarantee. Yeah. What you if, no, nothing, if, if he could just call you and be and like, say, "I'm sorry, my actually, bad. I didn't have the opening." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I you did. trusted this guy I a do. lot. Yeah. So I did. Yeah. Okay. So he called me. Mm -hmm. I see saying, okay, I have the job. It's global head of sales accessories. <laughs> global head of sales of accessories. Okay, so I was doing accessories at Adidas, my yeah. first job, remember? Yeah. Okay, so my first job at Puma is actually what was not related to merchandise and product, is basically driving the sales strategy for accessories. Mm -hmm. Admittedly, were you not that excited about that? Yeah. You weren't, right? No, I won't. Right. Okay, but in the same time, I said, you know what? I haven't done sales. Uh -huh. Okay? That's something missing. Yeah. Uh, in, in your my, In my profile. Yeah. And, and said, it's global. And it's, it's global. Right. Okay? Let's do it. Okay. And I'm going to work with him. Right. Plus, so, plus, plus. Plus, yeah. plus, plus. Yeah. And the package was good. Uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, you know what? Let's do it. Mm -hmm. So I get into the company, and you make clearly a difference between Superstructure Adidas yeah. and Puma. Okay. Much less structure at Puma, right? Yeah, much less structure. But what you see, what I was seeing every day is opportunities. Mm. Like, I don't complain as mm. a person, like never. Okay. But I see opportunity. I see, I see it can make a difference. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. And I actually love it. Mm -hmm. This is a major crossroads moment for Yassine. I mean, let's review what he had to work with on the table. He had a cushy, well-paying job at Adidas. Or he could move to an incredible opportunity to work at Nike. Or he could hold out for a big question mark of an opportunity with his homie at distant third-rate brand Puma. It kills me that he chose Puma. Because in all logic, you roll that dice a hundred times and the choice is the worst choice he could have made.
But this is where gut feeling comes into play. Yasin obviously ain't a dummy. You know he weighed out all the pros and cons here. But he looked down the road and saw more opportunity. He saw bigger potential and he saw the possibility to make real change at Puma. And so just like everything that traces back to his childhood, he once again looks for a way to impress within the boundaries of his role and prove that his vision goes beyond what's expected. So doing sales as my first job at Puma was a blessing because I get to meet everybody mm -hmm. in the markets yeah. and in sales. Yeah. Okay? So I was traveling I was traveling everywhere just to present my strategy to the market mm -hmm. and how to sell accessories mm -hmm. because usually you sell first footwear, then apparel, and if you have time, you sell accessories. <laughs> yeah. So I put a plan together and uh -huh. how to bring accessories to life right. and how to, to create demand mm -hmm. and how to make quick money because there's margin right. on accessories. accessories. Yeah. There's margin, yeah. okay? And that message was that. So I've done that for, for six months mm -hmm. and I, I had such a good time. Like mm -hmm. really, I had a good time. Can you explain, by the way, just F, what is what does it mean when you say there's margin? Oh, so <laughs> you make more money selling a pair of socks uh, in in you like if a socks costs two dollar mm -hmm. to make, so it's a random number, isn't yeah. It? Okay, these are random numbers. Okay, if a sock costs two dollar and you sell it for twenty two, mm -hmm. you literally make twenty. Yeah. Okay. And people buy lots of socks. Exactly. They buy six at a time. Exactly. Right. So versus a shoe that costs 40 mm -hmm. and you sell it for 120, mm -hmm. you know? Right. So yes, there's the, 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 the price per unit in footwear is higher. Yeah. But the percentage margin exactly. is much higher. Exactly. Yeah. So that's margin. Okay. So, so I travel and meet the guys and I started having a reputation in the company. So people appreciate me, appreciate my vision. And my vision was always not accessory centric mm -hmm. but I was able to talk footwear apparel everything yeah you know right. sales marketing and I had a vision uh -huh. you know and the word at the time was actually um, was actually brand hit brand hit yes so brand hit uh -huh. okay so oh heat hit yeah okay hit brand heat brand hit <laughs> so we're lacking brand hit uh -huh. we're lacking brand hit we're lacking brand hit that's the word you keep preventing right okay so I had a meeting with sales director and uh, and Stefano and I, I told them guys can I work on something uh, can I work on a plan to basically w build brand hit right you know and I was not at that time not connected to the marketing team at all which sits in Boston mm -hmm. like I had no connection with them mm -hmm. okay I was a guy in sales yeah I put a, I put a plan together on um, reigniting the brand through influencers mm -hmm. so this is like six years ago mm -hmm. okay and the plan was pretty solid okay so I so they gave me two months to put that plan together and mm -hmm. I presented to the board okay and I presented to the marketing and everybody says you know what let's just do it okay you know so I remember I had to go to caring in Paris mm -hmm. because Puma belongs to caring group okay which owns Balenciaga, Gucci, and all these fashion brands. Mm -hmm. So I presented there as well. Why did you have to present all the way up to Caring Group? Because the management of Puma at that time was was actually Caring and the CEO of Puma. We, they were working, dual, dual, they dual were working together. Okay. And I needed money to build the structure. Yeah. Okay. So I told them I'm not going to build that structure. So the, the plan was actually building a team of 12 people was actually building a company in the company, mm -hmm. okay, where 
it would be based on high-end execution of our products mm -hmm. and storytelling and collaborations. Mm -hmm. Okay, that was the plan. Okay, yeah. for that I needed marketing people, uh, designers, mm -hmm. product managers, and developers. So it's like a mini company. Uh, like it's a mini company. Yeah. Okay. And meanwhile, though, you're just the head of sales of accessories still. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah. So while I was building the structure and yeah. the plan, I was doing sales. Yeah, I know. Okay, but, so, so but I was not doing sales anymore. I but was you're like, asking to change your job now too. Yeah, so you're like giving yourself a promotion. <laughs> the, no, they gave it to me. Yeah, but you asked for it, right? Like oh, yeah. you presented it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. of okay. course. I, I saw the opportunity. You know what? Well, I think a lot of people just wait for the promotion. No, you know what? I didn't wait for the opportunity for myself. I saw the opportunity for the company. Yeah. You know, yeah. But then there's no one else to drive it. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so I built a team, uh -huh. and then no, I told them, guys, I cannot do it in Germany, because Puma is not hot mm -hmm. yet. Okay, and it's gonna be very difficult for us to hire the designer we want. Yeah. In Germany. Right. So what we do is we're gonna move to London, so and we open the structure in London. Wow. Yeah. So, and started from zero. Yeah. So, and I get 12 people. Was there already a Puma office in London? Yeah, we had a Puma office so, in but London. But you wanted to be based out of I want to be based there. So, I took out of the 12 people, four mm -hmm. were actual Puma people Employees, that I yeah. choose uh, from different teams. Yeah. Okay. And I had to hire everybody else. Uh -huh. And it was an amazing process. Well, so, what was, what's the name of this little company that you made? Select. Okay, that's Select. That's, that's select. the birth of Select. Yeah, that's the birth of Select. Okay. So... So, amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. And you know, it was the first time I go through headhunters, uh, recruitment, interviews, and you know what? I went for gut feeling on everybody. Yeah. And just like that, Puma Select is born. And now you really understand how it all happened. And surprise, surprise, Yassine trusted his gut instinct when deciding who to build his core team with. At this point, you could say that although he had mentors from time to time, he really trusted himself and his own guiding principles and his work ethic to make this dream scenario come true. You know, brands often sing the praises of developing cool, innovative product because it creates excitement with retail and customers. Sure, of course it does. But an often overlooked positive is the feeling it creates within the walls of your company. In my opinion, it is very difficult to create true brand heat if the reputation within the company is only lukewarm. I have the opportunity to visit corporate headquarters all the time, and when I see the employees are not using the products that the company makes, it says a lot. People aren't stoked on the brand. You ask someone, where do you work? Is the answer told with a slouch posture and a low murmur, or with confidence and swag? I know a lot of E-level people listen to the show, and if you're having a problem with your brand, forget sales reports, forget focus groups, and forget surveys. Are the people by your side stoked on the brand? The solution starts from within. Create brand heat inside, and I guarantee you, you will have a hard time not having that heat seep out to the world. Now that you've built Select and you've got the framework going, what is one of the first big wins that you get out of Select? Like the first home run? The first home run is, so you have to understand, so what we do is like collaboration, mm -hmm. okay? Nobody fucking wanted to work with us on collaboration. <laughs> right. It's true, yeah. it's like facts. Yeah. 
like no one. Just like you didn't want to get the job at Puma. Yeah. And <laughs> you wait, didn't even want to yeah, work there in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Wait. And nobody knew me in the industry. Mm -hmm. Right. You weren't connected to the influencer. At all. Yeah. At, at all. Right. You know? So what I've done is uh, I knew Jay and Greg. From BKRW. No, because I had... Maybe they can tell you the story later. Okay. But they actually, I helped them to solve an issue they had with Puma. Okay. A very deep issue. Mm -hmm. Okay? So I solved it uh -huh. and we became close. Okay. And I said, guys, this is what I'm doing. Uh, uh, I, need, I need your help. Uh, I'm looking for a brand to collaborate with, blah, blah. He said, oh, there's this brand, this French kid, uh, David, Brooklyn We Go Hearts. Mm -hmm. You remember? Yeah, Brooklyn of course. We Go Hearts. Yeah, yeah. Okay? You should do with him because he's up and coming, he's doing very well. And this is when the strategy came to me and said, you know what? I'm going to work with up-and-coming brands. Mm -hmm. I want to be the platform for uh, newcomers, yeah. new creative, mm -hmm. to be associated to Puma and build something together. Mm -hmm. And it's easier for them, first of all, because it doesn't necessarily cost money. Yeah. Okay? And they want to do it because they want to reach yeah. and they want to learn. Right. Okay? And you're both rising together. And we're both rising together. Yeah. Okay? So 2011, remember where Puma was in 2011, right? Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. Okay? So... I signed them, home run. Mm -hmm. From a sales standpoint and a marketing standpoint. Yeah. Yes. So, because what I do is I let them drive the creative, mm -hmm. because the creative direction should come from them. Uh, we work together on design, so my team at that time was designing with them. Mm -hmm. The collection came very good. Uh, we presented it. It was a surprise to everybody. I came up with five collaborations that season. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I had Brooklyn Mikohart, I had Sophia Chang, that was that early? Yeah, it was that early. Sophia Chang was my first female collab. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Brooklyn we were at Sophia Chang um, and three more, I remember. Uh-huh. Okay? <laughs> no disrespect, but I don't remember. And, um, and Sophia Chang was a hit too, right? Yeah, both of them. Yeah. So imagine, I go to a uh, uh, yearly conference that we have and uh -huh. we present the season, and I have internally a booth. Yeah. Select booth. Right. With all separate from Puma. Basically. No, it's separate no, you know, it's like in the headquarters uh -huh. you basically have showrooms. Yeah. And in the lifestyle showroom, I had my select booth. Uh-huh. Right. Okay? With all my product, everything looked sick. Uh -huh. You know? Yeah. And everybody came. Yeah. And we did so everybody you know what? Everybody was excited. Brand heat. Right. So my objective is like to show off internally, mm -hmm. you know, make people excited. We did videos to present the thing. Yeah. We did like, we did like a, a magazine uh -huh. I did with Black Rainbow, uh -huh. you know. Like, uh, peop, like your coworkers needed to be asking for that product. Exactly. Then you know you're doing something exactly. right. Exactly. Yeah. So we start doing that and everybody get hyped, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. And boom. It builds confidence and yeah. momentum and everything. Yeah. And yeah. boom. So then I met Ronnie. Okay. So Ronnie is a turning point in my career. Yeah. Yeah, clearly. Mm -hmm. I think he's a turning point for many people right. in their career, but he was because I met him in New York and we sat. He didn't know who I was, mm -hmm. okay? But he knew I wanted to do things. Mm -hmm. He knew I wanted to change things. Yeah. And so, Ronnie at the time is mostly working on ASICS product. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He wasn't messing no, no, with no, no, no. anyone else No, 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 no. ASICS and New Balance, right? Or yeah, a little bit ASIC? of New Balance. Yeah. yeah. So, and... I wanted to work with him, mm -hmm. and um, 
and we get along very well, mm -hmm. like very, very well uh, on emotional level, right. on feet and everything. And he was starting kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was also oh, he the, was at it was he, the beginning of the store. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, yeah, it was the beginning of the right. store. So when he launched the, I was there when he launched his Mercer pants. Yeah, the, the first, first Mercer pants. You know, yeah. I was there, and he was so excited. You uh -huh. know, and I, I was, you know, he's a winner. Yeah. Okay. So you just want to roll with the winners mm -hmm. and say, you know what? I'm going to learn so much from this guy, mm -hmm. okay? And we're going to leverage on each other and we're going to both win, mm -hmm. okay? So we started working on this project called COA, was the disc. Yep. You remember that? Yep. That's, that's the true. black and blue one, right? The creation process with him was amazing. Uh -huh. It was very hard, but at the same time amazing because it's extremely demanding, yeah. okay? Uh, not demanding like Diva, but demanding because he knows exactly what he wants, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And he will not... Uh, um, compromise. Compromise on nothing. Right. Okay? So my mm -hmm. team. He was the most demanding partner I have had. Yeah, yeah. Okay? And we said, okay, how are we going to activate that? We're going to do Paris Fashion Week and we're going to do a pop-up. Uh-huh. Man. <laughs> the way he curates stuff, uh-huh. He's the best curator in the industry. Yeah. Like, he's better than any brand. Mm -hmm. Okay? And he's, I mean, we did so, we had so much press. Yeah. We had so much internal talk at Puma, uh -huh. and then right uh, right after I do um, the sneaker freaker. Yeah, you remember the the, the, the cover? Bait? No, the shark bait. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The blaze of glory. Okay. So it was, and then I had Brooklyn go out. I said I had boom, boom, boom. Right. In two months. Wow. Yeah. And Sophia in there too. And then Sophia was there as well. Right. So like. Between sneaker freaker, Brooklyn we go hard, Sophia Chang, Kith, Kith, then. Paris Fashion Week Paris pop fashion, up, yeah. right? So the you, energy just went from zero to hundred. Exactly. So we had, I mean, the, everybody was watching us. Yeah, but let me ask you this reality question: from a sales revenue standpoint, right? It's still probably pennies compared to what you were oh, doing at accessories, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, of course, it's yeah. pennies. But I sold it as a marketing Got platform. It. Okay. Okay. Now. It's a huge business. Uh -huh. okay? Now it does numbers. Yeah. So, but it started as a marketing platform. Yeah. And we did, we had ROI positive on that. Yeah. Okay. We basically did what we promised we would do. Right. But how okay. do you get the the superiors to be like, dude, you're not making money? Oh, I had that. And how do you how do you justify what your actions are? You just have to say like, yeah, you could say like, just trust me. But how do you really get them to trust you? No, because. What I was always telling them is what we're doing has an impact on the brand. Right. Okay? On the desirability of the brand, mm -hmm. which was fact. Yeah. Okay? You didn't pitch them on this is going to make a lot of money no. in the beginning. No, you no, pitched no, no, this no. is brand heat, no, no, period. No. Yeah. And we were working on a PL which was not too high anyway. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. The, 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 the investment was. The investment low. was not right. too high. So, and we managed to get the partner at a very low cost because. Because they wanted to work with us, yeah. and I wanted to work with them, but with a with a defined budget, yeah. which was not high. So, and you have to be strategic about who you work with. Too. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, right. then my job became became on running that part to actually uh, looking for partners. Mm -hmm. So, and we're talking about Ronnie earlier. He introduced me to so many people. Mm -hmm. He gave me credit mm -hmm. to so many people. Yeah. So I build my credibility mm -hmm. doing this. Yeah. So now if I want to reach out to someone, it's very easy. Yeah. Because now I know people. Everyone that, will pick up the phone you know, now. Yeah. And because I know people that know people that know people. Yeah. You know, so you introduce me, you, Jeff, to, to people. Yeah. 
And I, how we get to you, I get to you through different, uh, also right. from people that you knew yeah. that wanted to work with you. So now things are easier. Right. Like really easy. Yeah. Um, and the, the probably the most obvious culmination of that is Rihanna. Yeah. Like, you know, you could say Rihanna is one of the top iconic pop stars of the planet Earth. Yeah. And six years ago, if you were like, let's get Rihanna, everyone would laugh. Yes, exactly. But you know what? And I think that's what our CEO did uh, is he understood that assets and story doing, mm -hmm. not storytelling, but actually you do stories and you create them. I love that. Uh, story doing, yeah, not storytelling. Story yeah, story doing um, makes a difference. Mm -hmm. And the consumer is drawn into assets and their Instagram. Yeah. Okay, so, you know, I always say that to my team, is this, uh, and that's where I was putting on my first PowerPoint mm -hmm. uh, when I presented the strategy, is that let cool people say how cool you are, mm -hmm. you know? Because if you a corporation and say, oh, I'm cool, nobody will believe in you. Yeah. But if you, Jeff, you do a product with me and say, oh, Puma is cool. Right. You that, don't have to say anything. That Puma has, doesn't have to say anything. That has credit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And working with Rihanna or we is exactly that, mm -hmm. but in a broader scale. Yeah. Yeah. It's like in a broader scale. Right. So, and that's the impact of the CEO saying, we're going to go bigger now. Yeah. Okay, it's not me or, mm -hmm. or marketing people. It's this year, so we're gonna go bigger uh -huh. and let's look for the biggest people in this world. Right, right. Okay, like we had Usain Bolt and the fastest man in the world. Yeah, we're gonna get the Usain Bolt of the music industry. Right, that's dope. Yeah. So now that you've worked with like people from you know Rihanna and The Weeknd, then to like the Ronnie Fikes of the world, and then like even the newest. Cats like yeah. Naturel yeah, and yeah. like, you know, Sophia Chang. Yeah. Like, how do you, what have you learned trying to balance all of these different personalities and egos? Yeah, so I've learned to be very good on emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence, you yes. said? Okay. Yeah. yeah. What do you mean by that? That means everybody vibe in a different level. Mm -hmm. You yeah. know? Like, if you're an artist, a music artist, or if you are an artist like a paint or graffiti, or if you're a brand owner, mm -hmm. or if you're just an influencer or designer, mm -hmm. you vibe in a completely different space. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And having the ability to juggle mm -hmm. all the... So, so I'm constantly working in average with 50 people. Mm -hmm. Collaborators. Collaborators. Right. Okay? Or co-creators, mm -hmm. as I like to call them. Uh-huh. Uh, um, why do you like to say co-creator versus collaborator? What I like is like, is like when we sit around a table and we design, we both bring things mm -hmm. to the table. Yeah. It's like co-creating exercise. Right. Okay. So collaboration for me, it's like a marketing word to justify something. Right. You know, co-creating is the action of actually creating shit. Right. You know, so. Because often now collaboration is brand X brand. Exactly. Just do it. Yeah. yeah. So no, I like the create, you know, you know what I like the most? Is not the launch parties. Mm -hmm. What I like is the process. Right, right. You know? Like, like you and me sitting in Boston in a conference room in the winter. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That is exactly that, you know? And sometimes there's, there's joy, sometimes there's tears, mm -hmm. sometimes there's frustration. Yeah. You have to go through that. Mm -hmm. And when you work with 50 people, you know, in average, you have to match all of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And you're the go-to guy. So I have 
designers, product managers that actually working with the partners. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'm not necessarily sitting all the time around the table. Right. I mean, people are doing their job, and, yeah. and we have a very very strong team. But when there's an issue, when there's a, a request, mm -hmm. you're the go-to one. Right. Right. Know? So so that's a, that's the that's a challenge. Yeah. But that's the excitement. So when you say, "What did you learn?" is like, I think I've learned to manage psychology. Yeah. You know. And, uh, and egos and everything. Mm -hmm. Yassine has come all this way, learning so much about the industry and the business and sales and product. But the one thing he wants to punctuate here is that his journey has culminated in learning how to manage psychology. Think on that for a moment. Try to recall that idea the next time you find yourself struggling at a crossroads with a collaboration or a job or supervisor or client, not only in business, but beyond the boundaries of business too. How do you best collaborate? What yields the best results? Harnessing other people's personality and enthusiasm is so often overlooked because we all want to express our own opinions. Everyone wants their turn to stake their own claim. But how about taking a moment to pause and consider whether two opinions can truly merge and you can make something better something closer to a whole. Instead of being an artist or a business person, try being a psychologist instead and see what it does for you. If someone is trying to get their foot in the door at a, at a company, at a dream job, because you knew from the, from the very start that you wanted to work for a sports brand, right? Yeah. What's one bit of advice that you give a young person like, that, wants, that knows what they want to do but they can't get into the door? I thought I would never be, be able to get in. Mm -hmm. What I believe is there's process on things. If, you, if your objective is to work for Puma, okay, maybe there's sidestep that you have to do before you get there. Yeah. Okay, so make sure I've heard of you. Uh -huh. you know? Make sure Puma heard of you. Right. Do things, write, create, mm -hmm. you know? And uh, you know, I mean, the big word now is like creating content. Mm -hmm. I'm not believing into creating content, I'm believing in documenting. You know, but like, documenting real things that you've made. Yeah, yeah. Document real thing. Document your process. Mm -hmm. You know, and and uh, yeah, that's that's make sure you're visible. Mm -hmm. You know, because there's so much noise. What's yeah. gonna make a difference? But we need talent. Yeah, I, we need talent. So and yeah, I never thought I would work in lifestyle at Puma. Uh -huh. Like never. Yeah. You know, but what I knew is I would work in the sport industry. Mm -hmm. You know, so you seem to be really good at like knowing when to take a strategic left and a right step yeah. versus a forward step. Everyone wants to go forward. No, you get it. No, no, no. But like you took like, okay, accessories, fine, I'll do it because you know you'll be able to lateral yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. But I think a lot of younger people, and I hate to use this word because it's got a really dirty edge to it, but like they feel a little bit of entitlement yeah. that like, I deserve to be head of select. So yeah. I'm not going to take anything until I get head of select. Yeah. If you thought that way, no. you wouldn't be head of select today. No, definitely. And also, uh, this new generation is lacking patience. Yeah. So I was always, I'm, I'm still now patient. Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know? I know yeah. what's next, right. but we'll see. Yeah. You know, we'll see what's next. Right, but right. I'm pretty confident about it. But also, I have a lot of people tell me, coming to me and say, because they know people, mm -hmm. they think they can run it. Yeah. Because my job is not about knowing people. Mm -hmm. It's actually how to make people work. Yeah. You right. Know? That's that's actually the big difference. Right. And uh, yeah, but but yet yeah, sidestep, 
building uh, building your own brand, mm-hmm. you know, building yourself yeah. as a brand and and work for free. Mm. Like work for free. Yeah. You know? Hustle. Yeah, hustle. Yeah. Work for free until until something comes comes good at you. Right. I want to ask you also about some interview advice because you've obviously had to interview to get the jobs that you have gotten. But now you're in a position where you're building a company within a company. So you're interviewing people. So you have it on both sides. Give some advice to a young person who's going into a job interview. So the thing like fake it till you make it won't work. <laughs> you know? A lot of people think that's like the new secret though. Fake no. it till you make it shit. No. I, you know, I mean, no. I see people suffocating bullshit in interview. Uh-huh. You know? So I think I'd rather get someone that is creative and honest yeah. and says, um, I want to learn this, mm-hmm. then I know this, this, and this. Right. You know? Right. So just be true to yourself. Yeah, really true. And and uh, and you have to show ambition, mm-hmm. but you have to show empathy and humility. Mm-hmm. The problem is what we're lacking. You see kids in interview, mm-hmm. and he wants to be the CEO. I get that. I want to be a CEO mm-hmm. too. Okay? Yeah. But you're 22. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. So, yes, get your ambition, but... Be humble with your ambition. Mm-hmm. You know, I know you're good. Yeah. Okay, you don't need to show it off. Right. You, I know you're good. Right. You know. So, and this generation needs reassurance. Mm-hmm. They always need reassurance. So, yeah. but just, just be slow. Just, just slow patience. down. Yeah, yeah, patience. You got another last question. So this this might be a question for a lot of our listeners. It might be people who have a job in a company now, right? And you mentioned structure before. Yeah. And they might be in a job where they're, they're seeing just like a maze of structures, right? I feel like one of the things that makes you good at your job is the ability to navigate the politics yeah. of the company, yeah. right? And that doesn't mean, like you said, like politics, shafting people. No, it doesn't and, mean and, shitting and, on people. Yeah, yeah, and politics is not necessarily negative. No, but no. there are, everyone has their own agenda. Everyone yeah. has their own yeah. wants. Yeah. What's the best advice you could give to someone who's listening that has a job like, how do you... So, steer that. So what I think is like in corporation in general, um, not in general, but I've seen that is actually people don't care about the business. They care about the job title and the next one they're going to get. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what I would say is like focus on the business. Mm-hmm. Understand the numbers of the company that you're working for. Mm-hmm. What's the sales? What's the margin? What's the EBIT? Okay, yeah. if we go into detail. Yeah. Understand the mechanic of the company, mm-hmm. you know, and don't think about your next job title because mm-hmm. this will come. Right. This will come on time. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and But if you just go into a room saying that, you're going to be enemy number one. If you just say that in a boardroom, they're going to be like, fuck you, you see, you know? But I get what you mean. Like, there's no, a lot of people would, that have... But I would not say it that way. No, you know? but you should know it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But that, like, we're talking to the kids who want to get yeah. into the company. So... But that's why, if you want to match and, and grow in a structure, in, in a corporation, mm-hmm. you cannot move from at 22 having a big job. Yeah. Because you need experience. Mm-hmm. You need to know people. Yeah. You need to understand what's the circle of influence. Right. Not the circle of influence for you to grow, but the circle of influence to take decision. Yeah. You know? Because if you're presenting a plan, but you know no one mm-hmm. that can support it. And no one is your ally. No one is your ally. It's difficult. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. So it's... I never really faced hardcore politics, mm-hmm. you know? And that's not what Puma is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's not a political company yeah. at all. Adidas was heavy, mm-hmm. you know? And that was also part of my frustration there. Yeah. Um, but politics comes with the size of the company. Yeah. You know? Right. So... 
But at Puma, I don't feel that's happening yeah. because we're still in the building process mm -hmm. or rebuilding process. But yeah, people are, people want to make a difference, mm -hmm. you know, and people want to contribute. Yeah. You know, there's no five to nine. People really want, you know, I always have this entrepreneur um, attitude, mm -hmm. like the money I spend with the company, I feel it's like my money. Yeah. So yeah. I don't waste it. Right, right. You know, yeah. I don't waste it. So I make sure that everything I do has a return on investment, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, yeah, and I would say also for this kid, when you work in this company or when you work in any, actually anything, mm -hmm. even if you're just an employee, believe it's your company because yeah. you most probably will do things differently. Some absolutely amazing business advice from Yassine Saidi. No matter where you work, even as an entry-level employee, believe it is your company because emotionally it will make you perform different. And trust me, the right people will take notice. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode with Yassine Saidi of Puma Select. We are winding down our second season of Business of Hype, and we're gearing up for season three. Let us know what you want to hear more of, less of. What do you love? What do you hate? Tell us how we're driving so we can make it better for you in the future. You can find out more about the show and listen to other episodes at hypebeast.com radio. You can subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. I personally use Overcast. And leave a comment. Tell me what you think of the show. You should also reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Staple. Check us out on the web at businessofhype.com. And you can email any questions you might have to questions at businessofhype.com. And Dan, do we have any mail in the mailbag this week? This week's question comes from Ty Lugozima. As a designer in a niche market, I'm having trouble getting credit for the work that I do. How did you break out when you started working with larger companies who typically just want their name on the product? Hey, Ty, thanks for that question. All right, so you're talking about credit. Well, you can never force the other party to give you credit, right? They're paying you for a job. They could do whatever the heck they want. My suggestion is that you are very diligent about posting and crediting your own work. So having an online portfolio or sharing your work on your own Instagram account and just getting the notoriety that you deserve on your own channels first because you can't control what other people do. Now, I do want to caveat that by saying that sometimes you might be doing a job that prevents you from actually giving yourself credit uh, from a legal standpoint. So be careful of that. I've been involved in work where I wasn't allowed to say that I did the job. Uh, essentially, you're almost like ghostwriting for the project, in essence, uh, but from a designer standpoint. So just be careful of that. But other than that, I would say go to town, promote yourself, put it on your website, put it on your feed, pat yourself on the back for the work that you're proud of, uh, and people will take notice and just go from there. All right. Thanks again for the questions. Keep them coming. Uh, email us questions to questions at businessofhype.com, and we'll try to get yours answered over the air. The Business of Hype is directed by Daniel Novetta. It's edited and produced by Bright Young Things. You can check them out at byt.nyc. Engineering is by David Rogers Berry. And we're looking for interns at the Business of Hype. So if you're interested, give us a shout. We hope to find you in the studio one day. This was recorded at Sibling Rivalry Studio and on location in Dubai at Seoul DXB. I'm Jeff Staple, and you've been listening to The Business of Hype on Hype Beast Radio.